The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to episode 291 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from medical practice. The topic today is, you have come a long way, babies. Now, caring for babies is parenting, and parenting is a part of family caregiving because these both respond to the pull of basic biological influences. The pull of our biological influences is built into our genetics. But the pull of biological influences can compete with the push of work, self-employment, and careers. The result, often, is difficult decisions for families where both the spouses are working or are self-employed or are pursuing careers. How the pull and the push can be managed is a challenge for more and more families. Their challenge is to ensure that the pull of biology and the push of work are balanced successfully and beneficially for everyone involved, which is why our topic you have come a long way, babies, is so interesting and so important. To discuss it, our guest, whom I now welcome, is Mariana Breschik. And she, I'm going to explain her bio, it's a complicated one, but first off, she's an honours graduate in political science from the University of Toronto. She graduated after that from Queen's University Law School, where she was first in her class in constitutional law, civil procedure, and remedies. She began her legal career in 1994 at a prominent Bay Street law firm advising clients on employment law issues. In 2000, the year 2000, she became advisory counsel for the Law Society of Upper Canada, Canada, which is the regulator of all the lawyers in Ontario. And also, In 2003, she found herself at the end of her parental leave, during which she had been caring for her twins. And also, in 2003, she opened MBC Legal, an employment law firm, and subsequently MBC Information Solutions, a company specializes in legal information. That company she owns, both those companies she owns. So her babies are her twins, her family, and her law firm. So welcome to the show, Mariana. Thank you so much, Gordon. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, first question for you, please. 
Please tell us more about your life and your career up to the point at which you went on parental leave. Mariana? Well, I think it's fair to say I had a very traditional or conservative uh, career background before my parental leave. Uh, I worked very hard to graduate at the top of my law school class. I'd always considered myself um, very ambitious, very career-oriented. Certainly, I would have described myself as a feminist. Uh, I always expected to work, uh, to contribute to my family. Um, and I, I was coming from a very traditional Bay Street background. And on Bay Street, um, at the time, and even now, there's a lot of talk about how to balance um, lifestyle with work, how to balance family uh, obligations with work. Um, so it, it was uh, the whole um, chapter of my life where I had the twins was a, a very, <laughs> a very um, uh, surprising uh, aspect to my life in a lot of ways. I found it very challenging. Um, so I had always been uh, brought up to believe that everyone in the family should contribute. Uh, my parents emigrated to Canada when I was six years old. Uh, they came here literally with three suitcases, four children, and about $3,000 that it had taken them a lifetime to save in what was then communist Yugoslavia. And my mother, God bless her soul, um, literally went to work the day after we arrived at Pearson, Toronto Pearson International Airport, never having worked outside the home before. And she was thrilled to be able to do it uh, because at the time in communist Yugoslavia, everything was so regulated by the party. So she was just thrilled to have the opportunity to earn money for her family. Um, so I came from that kind of background where work was um, almost a privilege, if you will. So I always expected that that would be an element of my participation with my family. Uh, and when the twins arrived on the scene, as you can imagine, it was uh, <laughs> it threw us for a loop in many, many ways. Um, but uh, in in retrospect, I would say that where I had a very traditional um, aspect to my career, the way that we've grown, certainly within uh, NBC has been what I think is probably maybe something good for a lot of very traditional firms to look at. And a big key to that is, is flexibility. Right. And we're going to come back to that question later on. Now, Mariana, I'd like you to tell us about the early period of your life as family caregiver, that is, as parent for the twins. Mariana? Oh, boy. Well, uh, in the first three months after uh, the twins were born, my husband and I lost 100 pounds between the two of us. He lost 30, I lost 70. We literally had black rings under our eyes. We, <laughs> we were just absolutely exhausted. We were delirious. Um, I would have loved to measure our IQ to see how many IQ points we lost from sleep deprivation. I remember one time I was... I had my, my uh, infant daughter on the counter, and I was, you know, playing coochie-coochie-goo with her, and I was saying, oh, you're trouble. Oh, you're trouble with the capital C. And I looked up at my husband, and he said, 
Yup, yup, capital C. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're just so sleep deprived, emaciated, exhausted, starving. Um, I don't know what it's like to have a singleton. We only have the twins. Um, you know, it's plenty. <laughs> um, I have friends with singletons who assure me that it's it's not you know quite <laughs> so extreme when you have them one at a time, but. Um, I always wanted twins, literally, from the time that I was uh, a little girl. I didn't even know how one had children, but I thought having boy-girl twins would just be the coolest thing. And um, my husband says it's because I like sets of things. They're nice. (laughs) They're neat and orderly. Um, So I'm thrilled to have the twins. But it was was like running a triathlon. It was absolutely exhausting. Um, a, A big... Part of that was the fact that I had decided to breastfeed them for as long as possible exclusively. Um, I managed to get to 20 months. I was going for 24, so I was a little bit disappointed with myself, but it was just exhausting, and and you you really need a whole network of, you know, your program's so wonderful, Family Caregivers Unite. What we really learned from that experience is we were so blessed to have my mother and my mother-in-law available to help us, but it was really a team effort. I never would have been able to breastfeed the twins uh, without that team effort because if you're going to be doing something like that, it's an enormous commitment in terms of the caloric requirement required to produce that much food for two growing infants. Um, Usually twins are born premature, so they have even more growing to do. It was literally like training for a triathlon. I was just starving all the time, pinned down by these two little babies. Someone pass me a sandwich, please. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was really a commitment on the part of our extended family, really. Uh, so I feel for people who have no family or, or you know, however you define family, um, close people who are committed to uh, helping each other. I don't know how anyone does it without that. I really don't. Right. Now, something different. Please tell us what decided you to set up your own law firm. What was the, what was the cause, so to speak, of that decision? Mariana? Right. Well... It's interesting because I had always thought that I would be, so I was on parental leave from, from, you know, a Bay Street job, and I always assumed that I would just go back to work on Bay Street. And I was a little bit taken aback by my own feelings. I didn't recognize how much biology was involved in parenting, (laughs) and I feel a little bit maybe naive or silly saying that, Um, but... I was really overwhelmed by my feelings about leaving the children. I just felt, and I remember sitting my husband down and saying, listen, I'm sorry if you, if you married me because I graduated at the top of our law school class and you thought that I was going to be, you know, very ambitious, et cetera. I don't want to let you down, but I cannot physically leave these little tiny babies every day and go 50 kilometers away. I just can't. And um, to his credit, he said, you know, whatever you like, do do what you like. So we had sort of resigned ourselves to having one Bay Street income instead of two. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to open a little firm and sort of play at <laughs> being a lawyer on a very part-time basis. And um, 
the the success that we've had at NBC has been to me a real lesson in doing what you love and and I tell my children now that all the time they're 11 years old and I say find something that you love because when you love what you do there's no limit to how much success you will have and at NBC Legal I mean we are Canada's um, HR law firm for doctors. Uh, we're huge and, and our clients love us and we love our clients and it's all just so much bigger than um, I imagined when I started and that's just because it's been a total labor of love and a passionate commitment. So just to come back to you on that particular point, just very quickly for me to say something. It sounds as though running your own law firm or something very close to that was also in your genes, also genetic, also in your blood, also in your upbringing. I mean, just a quick answer to that. Is that right? Is that how you saw it and felt it? Well, funnily enough, I actually never thought that of myself. Uh, Coming from a a large Bay Street law firm where one has everything done for one, you know, you have an accounting department, a photocopy department, uh, everything department. Uh, It it was maybe my biggest obstacle was just not really having ever seen myself as entrepreneurial. And today, when I mentor young people, as they really like to do, men and women, I really encourage them to take a, a, a kind of sober second thought because if they're writing themselves off as um, maybe not being suited to the entrepreneurial um, uh, temperament or, or whatever, I, I, I try to question that because I would have told you, you know, 12 years ago, yes. I would have said, um, no, I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur. No, no, no. I need to work at a large firm, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but yeah. yeah. I think there's room for many more entrepreneurs than we currently have in our society. And I think that's very positive from a family perspective. Right. Now, it's the time when we, as I always say, have to pay the rent. So we take a short (laughs) break. This is Dr. Gordon (laughs) Azalea. My guest is Mariana Braschi. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Living your best life isn't just about fitness and health. It's also about living a better life emotionally and creating balance. You know where you want to be, but what steps do you take to get there? Listen to Good Health for a Great Life with host Rick Barnabo. We'll bring you guest experts and tools to help you connect the dots from who and where you are to who and where you want to be. 
It's time to take responsibility for your life. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mariana Brasic. Our topic is you have come a long way, babies. Now let's talk about the challenges, Mariana, that you experience in setting up and running your own law firm and in the family caregiving and parenting for the twins. So let's start, first of all, with the business challenges. What were the business challenges you encountered while setting up particularly and then running your own law firm? Mariana? Well, I would say the single biggest challenge from a business perspective is having the courage to stay focused on something fairly narrow. Uh, When I was advisory counsel with the Law Society of Upper Canada, which is the regulator of all the lawyers in the province of Ontario, uh, we used to give workshops for uh, solo practitioners who were setting up their own practices. And uh, fortunately, a piece of the advice that we gave in that uh, workshop stuck to the Velcro in my brain. So I think that helped me to have courage that perhaps I wouldn't otherwise have had. And that was... Do not give in to the temptation to take in whatever work comes in the door. I think that in a lot of areas of work, whatever they are, whether they're, you know, law or accounting or um, you name it, uh, it's very tempting when we're starting out just to take any work that anyone is good enough to, to give to us. In this day and age, we are in what the Harvard Business Review calls an age of hyper-specialization. I really firmly believe that a huge part of the success of my firm, NBC Legal, has been due to the fact that we are so micro-niche focused. And in, in 2003, if you had asked 100 lawyers or 1,000 lawyers if it were possible to make a living doing very specialized HR law Uh, just for doctors and dentists, they would have said, that's crazy. That's so, so tinily focused, you're going to starve. But what happens is if you have the courage to reject other work, so, you know, when you do a good job for clients, they love you, they say, oh, well, well, can you do my divorce or can you do my real estate deal? And it's tempting when you have given up a large Bay Street salary and you're now starting, you know, from scratch and, and from zero revenue and trying to build that up. It's tempting to take whatever money comes through the door. But if we have the courage to say, no, I'm sorry, I can help you find a lawyer who just does that and who's specialized enough that they will do a good job on that for you, Uh, but I'm just going to do your HR law stuff. And I know that sounds really tiny to you, but that's why I can do it better than anyone else, because that's all I do. 
day in, day out. I'm not learning on your file. I think that having that courage is something that's really, really important and increasingly important. It's certainly something I talk to my children about all the time. Uh, they're 11 uh, in in 2014. And I think that their world is going to be even more hyper-specialized. So for me, the biggest business challenge was having the courage to stay really, really focused. And I'm very grateful that I did. Uh, for me, I think what was enormously helpful was that I had a spouse who had a, you know, by by average standards, very generous uh, income. So we could have resigned ourselves to my having a negligible amount of income. So I had that luxury. Um, I think that temptation would be even more difficult for someone if their income were the primary income or the income on which the family were especially dependent. Um, But to the extent that anyone can withstand that temptation, I would highly recommend it. Build yourself a niche and and guard it jealously. Right. Now, let's switch to the family caregiving, the challenges. What were the challenges you encountered while with the family caregiving while you were setting up and running your own law firm? Well, I think the biggest challenges on the family side are probably what everyone experiences, and that's just um, not enough time to meet everyone's needs. When um, we're raising infants, um, their needs are, are paramount. They're, you know, they're hungry all the time. They need diaper changes. Their needs are all um, of a very immediate and pressing nature. And so the others in the family, in, in my case, my husband and I, um, really just didn't have our needs uh, in a position to be met for a long, long time. Um, and I, I don't know if there's any good way around that. You know, I suppose people can try to have help, whether it's nannies or uh, extended family, but uh, it's it's tough. It's tough. Now, let's go on to talk about the challenges that you both, that is you and your husband encountered as a family. Um, that is the yeah. joint things that yes. you were struggling with or challenged by or overcoming while all the time you were setting up and running your own law firm. What were those challenges? Right. Well, in the early years, my husband was still working um, on Bay Street in Toronto. So the the challenges, there were almost two separate sets of challenges uh, before he joined me uh, at the firm. Uh, and, and then after, once he had joined me, I think before he joined me, the challenge was that uh, it's difficult for each person in the partnership to see what the other person's life looks like. So if I'm at home, you know, juggling two babies, and um, I'm, I remember in the early years, I had one twin in each arm. I was peering outside the front window knowing that my husband was taking a commuter train that would have him be home at 6.18 p.m. Well, you know, have and help him if it was 6.19 p.m. because I had one baby crying in my arm almost any time all day long. So, um, so the, the challenge there is it seems to each person that the other person's life might be 
you know, easier. And so you have to be, you know, gentle with each other and understanding with each other and uh, sympathetic. Um, I, w- I would say also a huge challenge is just keeping a sense of the um, coupleness, if that's a word, uh, because it's easy for the couple to get lost in the family. Um, and uh, one of my favorite pieces of advice that I ever got uh, about parenting generally was from my sister, Senka, who said, the thing about having kids is the days are long, but the years are short. And so, you know, balancing that, I think, is, is, is a key to keeping the magic uh, alive. Let me just ask you a little bit more about the idea of couples um, in the sense of, and you didn't use this phrase exactly, but keeping the family together. Right. Um, even though they have lives outside the family. Please talk about the challenges that deal with that kind of situation. Maybe I've got the situation wrong, but uh, please correct me if I have. But that's something that I think interests a lot of people is not allowing the stress, because there is stress, to get in the way of being a married couple. Mariana? Right. So not allowing the stress to get in the way. I think it's almost as if, at least my experience of it is, sort of if you can't beat them, join them. (laughs) You almost have to just embrace the stress and embrace the fact that you are in this together and kind of like uh, the mental image I have of it is you're holding hands and you're saying, well, I'll catch up with you on the other side. And recognizing that, okay, at this phase in our lives, we're not going to have a ton of time uh, to connect in the way that perhaps we did before the children to travel or, you know, go to great restaurants all the time. Um, but we're still here together. We're still in this together. Um, so we're, we are in the trenches. And um, at the end of this phase will have time to kind of debrief and, and um, you know, explore more fully what happened. But for right now, let's put our heads down, hunker down, and, and get the job done. So it's, it's a little bit like um, agreeing that you will be together as a commitment uh, without necessarily having to kind of reconfirm uh, as frequently as you would if you didn't have children or the or the or whatever the caregiving obligation is right now you mentioned time you painted a picture of um, your daughter crying and your husband whether or not he would be on the right train to get back <laughs> at the time planned um, how much of a challenge is managing time, especially when you're running your own company, your own law firm? How much of a challenge is time? Uh, I would say it's a huge challenge, but again, I I come back to the idea of specialization. When, you know, if if anyone uh, wishes to Google the Harvard Business Law um, article on um, hyper-specialization, one of the points they make about that is Time is is enormously challenging. If you're going to try to be a lawyer to all people for all things, for example, um, that's a recipe for 
a coronary <laughs> uh, because you have so much to learn and so much to do. And I couldn't possibly imagine starting a general law firm at the same time that I had had twins. But because I was um, able to withstand the temptation to, to take on all work, I was focusing on an, a narrow area of law that um, allowed me to stay focused in, in a very specialized way. So, so the time is still a challenge, but one way to um, make it less of a challenge is to do work that's much more specialized. It, it, it's, it's just a, an enormous competitive advantage because you don't have to try to learn everything or do everything. Um, it, it, it buys you a lot of time. And I suppose it gives you learning time as well, doesn't it? That to make sure that your own learning keeps up with the increasing specialization that you're involved with. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. I think that's an excellent point. Um, the other thing that I would also mention that I think is useful for people to consider, if they are considering some form of entrepreneurial uh, venture in connection with, you know, meeting their family obligations is, is technology. I would say, you know, time and technology are the huge issues. For me, um, I always, I'm a big f uh, supporter of BlackBerry. <laughs> I, I don't think that I could have uh, built my business had I not had uh, BlackBerry, and I've been a staunch supporter all along. My twins would fall asleep. I would be lying in between them trying to, uh, you know, calm them down. And I would have my BlackBerry up over my head and I'd be responding to emails, whether it was at midnight or 1 a.m. And ironically, client, that's how I built such an enormously um, loyal client base because they would say, wow, you're, wow, you're responding to my message at 12.30 a.m. And I would say, well, it's because I just got my twins finally to stop crying. Um, but yeah, so technology is a huge piece of it. <laughs> On that point, we've come to the end of this particular segment, so we'll take the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Mariana Brachik. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. Have you been struggling to rediscover your sexual life? How do relationships really work? Are there some topics that should be off the table? Listen for Love, Sex, and Communication with host Reverend Dr. Stuart Block. Dr. Block has spent decades helping adults to have more pleasure, satisfaction, and higher levels of communication. It can mean more pleasurable, caring relationships. Love, Sex, and Communication can be heard live every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. 
Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mariana Brasic. Our topic is you have come a long way, babies. So let's talk about the ways you, Mariana, overcame the challenges you experienced in setting up and running your own law firm and in the family caregiving for the twins as they grew up. Now, you've already said quite a lot about these things, but I just want to um, you to expand on them and be a little bit more specific. Now, for example, starting with the business, in what ways did you confront and overcome the business challenges you encountered and you mentioned specialization hyper specialization maybe and not taking on um, work that really wasn't within the domain of your specialization what were the other ways that you overcame the challenges Mariana well I think coming from um, a large full-service uh, law firm on Bay Street that had departments of every sort. It was quite a challenge to start uh, because, of course, when I started, as most entrepreneurs do, it was just me and I was the cook and the <laughs> and the dishwasher and the everything. So um, some of those early challenges for me were uh, what you might call very little daily things, just um, having to learn. Um, you know how to how to send a fax. How to uh, I, I have very vivid memories of the purulator guy being at the door because I was shipping out um, you know a package to a client and I had two babies in my arms and the sticker wasn't ready and I was like no please don't go <laughs> you know <laughs> just give me a second just give me a second so those sort of ostensibly little things but you know our our days are the sum of those little things so some of that stuff was a little bit stressful but if you can keep your sense of humor about it you know uh we get through it we learn from it and at the end of the day we feel better that we've overcome those challenges right now let's still still the same theme overcoming confronting and overcoming the challenges. Let's talk about more in more detail about the way you both confronted and overcame the family caregiving challenges all the time while you yeah. were setting up and running your company. Marianne. Yeah. Well, again, I would say that it's probably the biggest uh, challenge from a family perspective was the time and the lack of time for all members of the family to have their needs met. Um, 
we were very fortunate in being able to call on our extended family who were there for support. And I think um, anyone who's listening at home, uh, I'm sure, can relate in their own experience if they have the benefit uh, of family nearby. I remember one of my uh, husband's colleagues at the time, uh, when he found out that we'd had twins, he said, you know, where do your respective parents live? And he said, oh, very close by. And he said to him, don't move. <laughs> that was his advice. Stay near the grandparents. And and that was very good advice. I mean, they were enormously useful. So I think, you know, calling on whatever is your support network. Uh, you know, you may have family, you may have uh, close friends, um, whoever they are. But I think we all need help at uh, different times of our life. And when we're in the position of being caregivers, uh, we also need someone to care for us sometimes. So um, that that for us was the biggest challenge. And I think overcoming it was just a function of our being fortunate enough to have um, people who were also caregivers of us while we were being caregivers of our children. You mentioned taking care of yourselves, that is the family caregivers looking after themselves. Please say more about that. Well, I'm a huge believer in uh, taking care of oneself. I'm a runner. Uh, I've run the Toronto Marathon. Uh, For me, running is... uh, is my, my peaceful space. I think everyone needs something, whatever it is, that um, allows you to uh, feel that you're treating your body well, um, uh, doing what you can to keep it healthy. Um, I, I think that's enormously important. When we are caregivers of someone else, that takes a huge toll mentally, physically, uh, sometimes financially. So I think it's really imperative to take good care of uh, our physical bodies so that our mental uh, states don't suffer adversely. Just to feed back to you on that one, I often hear and read about um, the stresses and strains on family caregivers who experience physical exhaustion, psychological exhaustion, and sometimes financial exhaustion too from the stresses and strains of family caregiving. And they feel that it's a duty and they feel guilty sometimes that they may not be doing enough uh, to respond to that duty call. Have you any views on that kind of situation? Any experience perhaps of others going through that kind of situation? Mm -hmm. Well, Guilt is such a terrible emotion. I was raised Roman Catholic, so um, that's a, that's an emotion with which I'm intimately familiar. <laughs> I sometimes think the day my twins were born, this you know vague, free-floating guilt descended, <laughs> and I'm not even sure exactly what I feel guilty about. But it's <laughs> you know there's there's plenty of guilt to go around. I'm not sure that guilt is particularly uh, productive um, because I think it may do more harm than good. Uh, I'll all any of us can do is uh, be conscientious about, you know, our, our uh, totality of resources, time, effort, money, uh, strength, mental and physical, and, um, you know, act in accordance with that, try to fulfill our duty. Uh, but it's, it's a function of balancing uh, a lot of different needs. And when one is a family caregiver, uh, the fact of the matter is there are many people who form part of the family. So it's, it's tough. Unfortunately, I don't think there are any easy answers. Let me just feed that, that round our discussion loop 
again in a slightly different way. And that is that if you're not fit well physically up to it and you're feeling exhausted or burnt out, as some people say, then um, you may well feel that you're not doing what you should be doing or doing it well enough. So in that sense, you I can expound that argument to say that's why you have a duty to yourself to look after yourself so that you can deliver on your responsibilities for family caregiving. How, how does that thesis sit with you, Marianne? <laughs> I, I think that's an excellent way of putting it. Um, you know, I've been flying a lot on business recently, and of course, when when one flies, they always tell you in the safety briefing that if you're traveling with someone for whom you need to care, and the oxygen mask drops down, you need to put yours on first before helping the other person with theirs. And uh, what you just said is is a perfect uh, synopsis of that. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Right. Now, let's go on to the joint work, the joint effort. Your husband and you confronting and overcoming the challenges. Again, you've already mentioned some of them, but I'd like you to go into a little bit more detail about the way you jointly confronted and jointly overcame the, particularly the Shall we say more irritating challenges? They what appear to be petty challenges, but can, if not confronted and overcome, become quite difficult. What ways did you confront those kinds of challenges? Well, I think probably the single biggest thing that we did was just try to keep the lines of communication open. Um, in uh, in. 2014, our children are 11 years old, so I certainly would not say that we're anywhere near done <laughs> um, confronting our challenges. I, I wonder, uh, you know, 10 years from now, <laughs> how I will assess our performance and, and whether that is different from how I might assess our performance today. Um, I think the the most important thing is uh, to keep the lines of communication open. If you're a caregiver who's on your own, um, you know, find someone with whom you can uh, talk openly. Um, and uh, I would say, as you, uh, Gordon, have just said, take care of yourself first because you're not going to be good to anybody if you haven't met your basic needs for human existence. You need to feel, you know, reasonably physically strong, uh, to eat well, to exercise, uh, to sleep uh, a reasonable amount. Um, and only then will you really be of any assistance to, to the person for whom you need to provide care. So in terms of our joint efforts, I would say probably communication is the most important thing. And maybe if one person is feeling uh, particularly um, exhausted, then the other can sort of pitch in and, and help out. Uh, so having a bit of a tag team, I think, is certainly helpful. Team, in other words, a sort of domestic teamwork in the, right, exactly. the way you've just said that. Yes. Now, this is another quick but difficult question, and that is that there's a history – in our kinds of societies where family has not been necessarily to all a very popular notion. These days, and if we look at the statistical analyses of populations like in North America, there are many variations on the theme of family. And so single families, same-sex families, um, families that cross cultural or 
religious or ethical boundaries, this kind of thing. And they themselves are, are family caregivers. Have you any comments to make about people who are in a situation where, and if I can use this in a non-judgmental way, are not necessarily viewed as traditional families. That is to say, they may be untraditional, even though they're very normal in a society like ours. Any comments about that? Well, I think uh, I, I always take a very long-term view of these things. And I think from an evolutionary perspective or an anthropological perspective, humans evolved in, uh, you know, groups or villages. Um, and in those times, th those villagers would have considered each other family members or or they would have had the same feelings that we have toward our family, toward other villagers who would not be what we consider traditional family members. I actually think that it's part of our anthropological history to view people who are near us, in other words, to make family members out of non-biological family members. Um, and I think that's for, for the greater human good. I think that humans... We are fundamentally social animals, as Aristotle would say. Uh, we need other humans uh, to to help us, um, and we need to help them. That's part of our our human condition. So, right. I'm not um, I'm not really fussed about a particularly biological definition of family. Um, my <laughs> one of my best friends gave me a, a plaque she'd found at an antique shop, and it says. Um, uh, friends welcome family by appointment. <laughs> so it kind of conveys the notion of, you know, yes. defining defining your own family. Um, I, I think in this day and age, most um, reasonable people would agree that that family can include a very broad uh, scope of people, and that, and that's a healthy thing. Right. Now on that point, um, we do have to take the break. Um, this is. Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Mariana Brasic. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio. Please stay with us. We will be back. It's time to take a new look at some of life's changing moments. It's time to listen to an expert who has been there and can provide insight through experience, studies, and enlightening guests. Tune in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Host Lindsay Levinson takes a look at relationships, parenting, health and wellness, divorce, depression, sexuality, philanthropy, and mental health. You'll look at everything you know in a different way. Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, airs Wednesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Do you ever just ask, why? If others, especially children, ask you the same question, how do you answer? Is life a whole bunch of questions just waiting for the right answer? When you tune in to The Mickey Ellison Show, you'll find out how to find the answers and open up so many more questions as you do. At what point in our lives did we stop answering the why questions and just settle for whatever answer we've been programmed to settle for? Never stop asking why. Join Mickey Ellison every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. 
In today's society, there is just too much competition. Women are taking on the same roles as men. They're working side by side, competing for the same positions. What is happening? This is transferring to how men and women feel about each other and relationships. We're delaying marriages or not even getting married at all. It's time to go back to basics. Listen for this groundbreaking show with host Naftali Schwartz. But it's not really that groundbreaking. It's just a new way of looking at things. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mariana Brashik. Our topic is, you have come a long way, babies. Now, Mariana, let's talk about the things that you would like to do and see done to help families where both spouses work in one way or another. So what, have, what would you like to do? Please tell us about the things that you would like to do to help families make decisions about work when the parental leave is coming to an end. Mariana? Well, Gordon, uh, fortunately, I'm, I'm happy to say a lot of the things that I would like to do, I have been able to do within my own law firm, MBC Legal. And uh, I, I'm very proud of that because coming from a large uh, law firm environment where there was a lot of, um, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but lip service paid to the idea of balancing work and family life uh, without you know, a whole lot of progress being seen. It's been very, very satisfying to me. I would say probably one of my, the, the top 10 things for which I'm proud uh, in my career is is the things that we have done at NBC to make it a really wonderful place for people to work where they can balance uh, family and work, but not in a way that I think if you come from a very traditional uh, conservative type of um, employer, even talking about balancing work and family life somehow sounds wimpy as if, you know, oh, the superstars would never even talk about that. In my firm, it's not like that at all. We only have superstars working for us, but they work for us in an environment that is extremely flexible. I don't monitor where my staff works. We have a staff of seven people. They all tell me we have spoiled them for any other law firm. They would never want to work anywhere else. Uh, many of them who've worked in some pretty <laughs> miserable law firm environments, uh, as, as many of us have done. Um, so they're just thrilled with the environment that we can provide them. And uh, I think there are a lot of great lessons in what we've done. So what we've done is, is we just focus on results. In my firm, we have an unusually high um, client satisfaction rate. So our clients love us. They regularly tell us, you know, we're the favorite law firm they've ever worked with. They, they love their lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. So anyone who comes into my firm uh, for a job, 
If they're hired, they need to understand that they will be measured by results. I don't care where they work. I don't care when they work. They will be provided with the technology to work wherever in the world, whenever they want. They need to keep the client absolutely thrilled with our services and uh, to the point where they will tell their friends and colleagues about us. If they meet that objective, I don't care (laughs) when they're working. So it's really just about results. And that provides people with a sort of flexibility that is really unparalleled. Most of our people have um, gone through their child's rearing um, stage with us, and it's been done in a way that allows them to manage their work and their workflow uh, in a way that balances their family commitments as well. And for that, because they're able to do that, they're so extremely grateful and bend over backwards to provide the level of service and the commitment and the loyalty to us that we love to see. So I'm really, really pre- pleased with what we've done. It's, uh, we provide flexibility. We always ensure that we pay above market rates. Uh, we treat our people extremely well. And in exchange for that, they're so grateful for the flexibility for uh, the way that they're treated that they always perform to the superstar standards that we would like to see. And would it be right to say that they're also very loyal to you and your company? Absolutely. Extraordinarily loyal. They they regularly say they would never go anywhere else. My people always say to me, when I retire, it will be from NBC. Wonderful. Now, you're an employer, and you've just been talking from the point of view, if I may put it this way, of an enlightened employer. Now, please tell us about the things you would like to see employers generally do to help family families make decisions and do the kind of things that you've been doing. What would you like them to do? Well, I think, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, to, to your point, you called it being an, employ- an enlightened employer, Gordon. I, I, it reminds me that it's really it's enlightened self-interest as well because let's face it, if NBC Legal weren't profitable, I wouldn't have jobs for any of these seven people. None of these people's mortgages would be being paid. So while I'm seeking to do it in a way that's compatible with their family caregiving obligations, um, the number one thing is it's got to be profitable. So. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of a, a truck that used to be um, a vending uh, truck that sold French fries, et cetera, on the campus of the University of Toronto uh, many years ago when I was there for undergraduate degrees. And the, the, the caption the fellow had on the side of his truck was, eat or we'll both starve. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so I just, I don't want to be seen as being, um, you know, it's not a charity. It is a business first. But what I would say to other employers is it's in your enlightened self-interest to uh, go about your business in perhaps radically different ways than you're accustomed to, and you actually can make uh, more money if you pay attention to what's actually happening. So look at the results and not necessarily um, just do things the way you've always done them because 
that's the way you've always done them. Uh, so I think it's really, really helpful to be focused on uh, results and then to to trust people. I mean, w- work is a human good. I think, unfortunately, in Western society, we have a very negative view of work. Uh, you know, there are all those jokes and songs about working for the weekend. If we actually look at the literature on uh, on happiness, uh, you know, books like Flow, um, we know from from the scientists that most people don't actually achieve happiness or anything that closely resembles it outside of work. Work is is uh, something necessary for human satisfaction and for human health. So I think we should embrace that and recognize that people want to work. They want to make a good contribution. We need to trust to their um, sense of wanting to contribute and then measure results instead of measuring FaceTime or, um, you know, anything like that, which I think is much more of a, a kind of business-as-usual approach. I'm just going back to something you said earlier in the show, and that is you were describing a situation where you were using your BlackBerry to deal with emails because at near midnight, because yes. at last, so to say, the twins were asleep. Now, that points up the role of digital stuff. mobile phones and all the rest of it. And what that does, obviously, is to make it possible for people to work in the off hours, to work at home, not to need to come into the office. So in that sense, the digitization of everything is really a very positive move from the point of view of employers getting enlightened about the way in which um, they enable their employees to work to fit in with their own needs and requirements. That was a long sentence of something fairly obvious, but I guess you would agree with that, wouldn't you? I, absolutely. I'm, I'm a huge fan of technology. I think that uh, from a family caregiver perspective, it's, it's a real advantage. Um, I know that it's common for people to lament the um, pervasiveness of, of uh, technology, how it's sort of everywhere. Uh, but I, I, I don't know, I'm, perhaps I'm just an optimist, but I, I see it as a huge advantage. Uh, I would not have um, the life that I have today, which I love very much if it were not for technology, particularly the BlackBerry. Everyone go out and buy a BlackBerry. <laughs> I am not getting commissions to say this. I'm just a proud Canadian. Um, on that point because we're running we've come to the end <laughs> i'm going to say thank you for that commercial but thank you <laughs> very much more for the things that you've been saying and the things the insights you've shared about your own life and your own experience in your life as a family and your life with the twins and your life with the business but also sharing with us the basic point that there are ways in which all of this can be done in a successful and happy way uh, and in a way that enables the company to do well, to flourish, because its employees, its workers are happy because it's flexible, supportive and encouraging. So all I can say to you is the old cliche, but please keep up the good work. Please talk about it because this is important in our changing society. Now, I want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear about ideas for topics or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Our next episode will be 
My husband died and now I must find a job. So please join us. Same time, same spot on the internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 